You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 80 of the DCAU Review. I am your host, Cal, and with me, as he always is, each and every week, my good brother, the man that runs our Twitter review, our Twitter page. It's... My good brother, Liam. Liam, episode 80. 80 years of Batman this year, and we've reached our 80th episode of the DCAU Hashtag Batman 80 and hashtag DCAU Review 80. Yeah, go How figure. How about that? Hashtag long live the bat. Yes. And long live our show, too. But, you know, maybe not quite as long as, <laughs> as Batman's been. Please, please not 80 years uh, of this podcast. Yeah. Anyway, though, uh, pretty exciting episode for our, our, uh, to, to cover for our, our ADS show here. Yes, uh, we've been waiting for a, a while to get to this one. Uh, we've had a couple minor appearances of Robin thus far, and uh, we had him in Christmas with the Joker. Mm-hmm. And then what was our other appearance? Oh, of course, Dollar in the Bad episode, Jar, <laughs> Fear of Victory. Correct. Uh, but this is one classic episode. It's a two-parter. Of course, Liam, what episode are we talking about this week? This episode... Uh, this this week we are talking about the episode Robin's Reckoning. Parts uh, one par- and two. Correct. Uh, yeah, this is uh, one that is really near and dear to our hearts as uh, kids. I think we've mentioned them a few times, but there were these uh, Warren Home Video did these uh, videotape releases, that, and each tape would focus on a different character. So, like, one tape had uh, was a Joker tape, and it had Christmas with a Joker, and actually the episode we'll cover next week on it. And uh, then there's a couple other villain ones, and then there was the Robin tape, and the Robin tape had Robin's Reckoning. So it's one that we watched probably a hundred times when we were kids, uh, and for the most part, I think it still holds up pretty well under the uh, the 2019 lens. For those of you who don't know what a videotape was, <laughs> it was the precursor to streaming and DVDs, which if you think DVDs are out of fashion now, Oof. imagine having a large plastic rectangle that could contain up to 60 minutes (laughs) not one minute longer worth of cartoons on it and that was yeah that's right they could only fit two episodes well actually i mean there were eight hour long videotapes but they only fit two episodes onto each of these batman vhs videos so yes we had robin's reckoning this one was one that we saw many a time on the Robin videotape, but uh, before you get to the IMDb episode synopsis for parts one and two of this ep- these episodes, these episodes originally aired on Fox Kids back in February. It was uh, February 7th and then February 14th, so that's right, Valentine's Day, Robin's <laughs> Reckoning, 1993, so we are coming up on the 26th year anniversary of this show uh well 26 years this year and it'll be 27 coming up uh in just a few short months but uh do you have those imdb synopses pulled up in fact i do and this is the synopsis for robin's reckoning parts one and two which were written by randy rogel laren bright and alan burnett and both parts were directed by dick sebast and the synopsis for part one reads as such After learning the name of an extortion ringleader, Batman mysteriously refuses to let Robin continue the investigation with him. The synopsis for part two, in fact, reads as such. Batman orders Robin to stay at home while he goes to catch Tony Zuko, but Robin goes out anyway. All right, those are great synopses there. 
Um, so initial thoughts on this plot here. So it is an origin story for Robin, which is interesting because we don't get an origin story for Batman on this show. No. You're, you're kind of supposed to, I mean, we get some backstory from it's a never too, it's never too late and mask of the phantasm, mask of certainly. phantasm, nothing to fear. All of those episodes have some sort of backstory and yes. tell you the origin story of Batman, but you are sort of brought into the dcau with the understanding that you kind of already know who batman is and how he got there right but this provides to you the origin story of robin which over the years in dc continuity has fairly much pretty much stayed the same i don't think there's been much variation of it uh i don't know that the dc comics originally linked it to tony zuko specifically i don't know if that was a dcau creation yeah i'm not sure if that where that name came from originally there is a there is also a, a boss zuko or tony zuko character um in the comics but i'm i'm honestly not sure which one uh which one came first but so yes tony zuko is the person that is responsible for creating robin he's the person that does the dirty deed of killing robin's parents because yeah. he's a sort of like a a i don't know he's an extortionist i guess yeah so he runs an extortionist ring yeah so as, as we get into the plot details as mentioned in our synopsis uh basically it starts batman and robin are on a stakeout they're trying to take down this extortion racket they look like they're these three thugs are trying to looks like sabotage a construction site and they they take down the thugs a couple of them get away they interrogate the one guy that they did capture and uh he gives batman a name uh billy Marin, which as it turns out is an alias for tony zuko and batman kind of instantly knows who it is and so he basically blows robin off (laughs) drives him home and then refuses to explain exactly why he uh he's doing this and i it's funny because obviously by the end of the episode they do kind of make up and have kind of a really nice like father son moment but you can kind of see this as maybe one of the first the first strikes uh that lead dick grayson to leaving and going off to become his own man and becoming nightwing and not no longer being able to tolerate living kind of in living under bruce's rules or you know under his roof for that matter which sets up Later on, like you said, and certainly in the Old Wounds episode that plays out in the new Batman Adventures. Uh, But yeah, it's (laughs) Batman giving him the standard line that Robin even repeats back to him of, sometimes I can't explain my actions even to you, which is, wow. That's quite a rule that that Batman has established and clearly is something that he's repeated over and over to Robin to the point where... Robin already knows what's right. going to come before he says it. Right, and at this point, obviously, it's established Dick Grayson is in college, so he's, uh, you know, 18 or 19 at this point, probably, and, yeah, so he's heard this line probably almost every day since he's gotten, since he got to Wayne Manor, and uh, that, 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 it, I do think that's, and we can talk more about this in voice acting, but I think one of the best parts of this episode is that it explores that familiarity um more between how how these two just know each other so well and have worked together for so long and they kind of know how to get at each other and how to like hurt each other a little bit um more than and i think that's anyone who's ever had an argument with their brother or their father or their son or whatever i'm sure can relate to that you know nothing hurt nothing quite hurts as much as uh you know having a really bad vicious argument uh with with somebody that you care about but 
I, I think that really comes through in, in the storytelling and the writing as well. And the scene where they're on the radio and Robin's yelling at him once, once Robin kind of pieces it together that this Billy Marin is actually Tony Zuko and he's screaming at him, you can't cut me out of this. You know, he's mine. I've waited half my life for this. And, and Batman's response is, I call the shots on this team. And then he hangs up. Like, Batman is not a good dad in this episode. <laughs> no, not at all. But at the same time, though, you have, you have the understanding of the dynamic of why Batman was trying to protect him because you see up till the very end where it looks like Robin's really considering killing Tony Zuko. Yes. Which I thought was interesting because we, we know in this DCAU there is no Jason Todd character. Right. Um, but they, you know, Tim Drake later on, his story very much mirrors the, the comic book origins of Jason Todd. But in this scene even, there's a pivotal moment in the comics where Jason Todd uh, lets a, I believe it's a drug dealer, he not only breaks his arm, but there's another scene where he actually lets a, I think it's a rapist or somebody he yeah, lets it's, him it's like a It's somebody who has, it's like a, a diplomat's son who has like diplomatic immunity. And he, so he's getting, like he, he appears that he has raped or assaulted a woman. He's going to get away with it. He's about to leave the country. Batman and Robin go and confront him. Bat, Robin chases the guy out onto the balcony Batman's still inside dealing with the other thugs. He and then he hears the guy scream, and all of a sudden the guy is dead on the pavement. And it's sort of left ambiguous as to whether Jason pushed him or whether the guy fell. And which which reminded me a little bit of this of this scene because yeah. you have you have that moment where it looks like well Tony Zuko backs out and he's at this place that sort of looks like Coney Island and he's over this dock and he if he falls he's going to die. It's yes. very clear. And Robin grabs him. He has him by the lapels, but is Robin going to let him drop? Is he going to punch him? Is he going to throw him off of this dock? Batman sort of interrupts him and saves him. But it goes back to that, yeah, Batman was kind of a jerk in this episode to Robin. Would it have been that hard to explain to him why he didn't want him to be involved in this situation? No, Batman could have very easily explained, hey, I think you're too emotionally close to this. I don't want you to get to that point. But he's Batman. He has a hard time, I think, right. communicating his emotions. I don't know. But he he was worried. He was scared. And rightfully so, clearly, up until the end where Batman sort of brings Robin back to reality yeah. uh, with that conversation at the end. Um, I, I appreciate that this episode is an origin story without it being a straight origin story. They use the uh, flashbacks very effectively. Yeah. I think that the storytelling through the flashback is done so incredibly well that scene where robin's parents die Mm -hmm. is done so well everything and we'll talk about this probably in almost every category but yes the the slow shot as his mother is jumping off and doing the flip they do a really good job of showing just how like graceful and elegant the flying graysons are at their job um and then yeah you 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 see him he see john grayson catch his his wife, and then you see Dick react to noticing that the rope is about to break, and then you just see the rope the hang down. Flying Grayson.
cut to the shocked crowd, including Bruce Wayne, uh, who's, who happens to be there in the crowd that night. Uh, it's really, really uh, incredibly done, and um, giving that part of the story that that Robin feels so, he, or, or Dick at the at that age feels responsible because you know he sees Zuko messing with the with the cables before their performance and tries to kind of say something, but then his mother says, Oh, we got to go, you know, we're, we're about to be it's it's time showtime. And so there's that moment where he feels guilty because he didn't speak up fast enough. And that's always in different versions of, of Batman's own origin story where sometimes they're watching a movie or something that Bruce and Bruce gets scared and he asks to leave. And that's when they walk out into the alley and get shot or, so that that part of where he feels like somehow it was his fault, even though of course it was you know he was they were caught in the middle of this you know attempted extortion by this protection racket. Um, yeah, all the flashbacks are really good. I like seeing like it's this is kind of the closest we get to like a Batman Year One, other mm-hmm. than we see him just prior to becoming Batman and him putting the mask on for the first time in Mask of the Phantasm. But to see more of like a Batman Year One like early career Frank Miller-esque Batman where he's just shaking down mobsters and really he's trying so hard to right this wrong for this kid so that Dick doesn't have to have, you know, the same type of childhood that he had where his parents' killer was never was never captured. And ultimately Zuko does get away because, uh, you know, Dick ends up tracking him down and then in, in the melee ends up falling into the river and Batman basically has to make the decision either stop Zuko or save or save Dick, and of course he saves the child. Um, and so Zuko ends up in the wind for you know ten years or whatever, and finally has come back to the city. And that's that kind of again all it all comes to a head in that moment on the docks that you mentioned, where where Robin is con- it seemingly look it certainly looks like he's considering uh, ending this man's life. And, and and Batman is kind of able to talk him down from it. But um, there is one note that I read. It's actually, I believe, in the Batman animated book that was written by Paul Dini. There was actually one more flashback originally planned that was going to show uh, Dick taking the, the oath, the candlelight oath that has been sort of uh, immortalized over the years in Robin origin stories. Uh, and the part of it was going to be that Bruce made him promise to always... Uh, fight crime in the name of justice and never vengeance. Mm. And I think I, it's, and it was cut for time basically was sure. the story is, is what Paul Dini said. But uh, that, that does hurt a little bit because the flashbacks do, I think end a little abruptly. It ends with Batman taking Dick back to the Batcave and him taking his mask off and, and Alfred kind of being like, well, I guess master Dick will be staying with us for a while. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of cut back to present day and then that's the rest of the episode. So having that one last flashback to really hit it home, uh, maybe would have improved it a little bit. But as such, I gave plot 9 out of 10. It's really, really strong. Like I said, I do think now knowing sometimes that's the problem is when you do a little research, you <laughs> you ruin things for yourself. Uh, so maybe that ruined my perfect score is that I wish there had been a little bit more of closure on the flashback side of things. Um, maybe even getting to see you know Dick suit up in, in the Robin suit for the first time would have been really cool. But... As such, it's still a great episode, and it still feels like a really pivotal moment for the series as far as uh, explaining uh, how how Robin came to be, and again, sort of laying the groundwork for where these two characters' relationship ends up in the future. Good strong score there. Um, yeah, I, I would concur. I even th- I even think like looking back at that flashback scene where 
it, the ridiculousness of a 12 or 13 year old boy walking around the the mean streets of gotham yeah. looking for tony zuko to like he's going to do something is pretty hilarious right. uh and and even the scene where he saves uh, what is clearly a lady of the night. That's from definitely her. something I didn't pick up on when I watched that as a nope, child. <laughs> did not get that one. A lady of the night who's being shaken down by her um, uh, boss, yeah. as it were. Who just happens to look a lot like uh, series co-producer Eric Radomski, by the way. <laughs> total coincidence Guessing there. that, yeah, I'm sure that was a total coincidence. She was, quote-unquote, skimming money off of the top, wherever, mm-hmm. wherever she was getting money from. It happens yeah. to look like a famous famous pinup model, Betty Page. Uh-huh. Uh, all coincidences, I'm sure. I'm sure, because she's just a <laughs> grifter. Um, but uh, that scene actually is even fun and, and done really well. Yeah. As ridiculous as it is a 13-year-old taking on a grown man. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that with hindsight, sure, absolutely would have been great to have sort of a bridge the gap between he finds out that he's Bruce and, you know, he's Robin now. Uh, but I didn't have the benefit of knowing that that was a thing <laughs> until about 30 seconds ago. So right. I went ahead and gave plot a perfect 10 out of 10. Yeah, that's, it's still, like I said, it's really, really good. And for all the reasons we mentioned, it's it's definitely worth, uh, it's it's definitely a great episode all around. And like I said, it, it feels like our characters are in a different place than they were at the start of the episode. And that's really all you can ask for if you're watching a story. I concur. All right, let's move on to our next category, Liam, which is animation. Oh boy, man. Uh, <laughs> there are, I will, I will say this, that I think there are a lot of great things in this episode. Yeah. My favorite thing about this episode is the shadow work that they do. There's a lot of effective, great use of shadow in this, mm-hmm. in this episode, whether it's this, you know, the scene where Bruce is, uh, well, yeah, well, where Bruce is in the in the, the his childhood bedroom with Dick mm-hmm. as Dick is first introduced at Wayne Manor and he's they're looking up at the the picture of Bruce's parents and yeah um, th- there's great shadow work in that in that part of the episode there's that whole flashback year one scene where he we run into our old friend Arnie Stromwell yes that's a, a great uh, little which, bit too, yeah because it didn't have to be him it could have nope. been any random gangster guy yep. but the choosing to draw on the show's history was a really nice touch first first sort of like easter egg flashback there mm-hmm. in the dcau with stromwell or arnie stromwell who we first saw in it's never too late which is yeah. another great episode that you can hear our review of on dcaureview.com in the archives but so there's a great shadow work there with being outside of this penthouse at night walking through the shadows flat uh, lights from the car flashing on on batman yeah um you know batman jumping on the car batman going after the guards around the area just oh man such such good use of shadow work there yeah and and later on even when they're in the uh, coney island-esque type yes. uh, fun house area there's great shadow work done there also mm-hmm. just really cool visually However, there, <laughs> there are some things that look a little bit wonky. Yeah, and part of that, I think, is because part one and part two were done by different animation yep. uh, studios. And that is, to me, the thing, more than anything being, like, really... Nothing's, like, super rigid or really badly animated, but it's it's just... It, when you watch them back-to-back, I think it's really jarring, especially because, like, the characters look... The models, the character models look differently. They're... They are animated differently. Their eyes are shaped differently. Like, there's just a lot of weird things. Um, 
Believe- I was, I, I mean, even as a child, I picked up that Zuko looked like a, comp- he looked like, I get it, he's supposed to be older, this is supposed to be 10 years right. later or whatever it is. Maybe 10 years later? I don't know, 7 years later? Depends on, so, that's another thing we can mention. In the credits, uh, the flat, uh, the uh, the kid who plays young young Dick Grayson, which we'll get to in voice acting, in part one, it's re- the character is referred to as Dick Grayson, age 10, and in part two, it's referred to as Dick Grayson, age 9. So, it's somewhere between 10 and, like, 8 years. Or okay. 8, eight and 10 years. So, 8 and 10 years later, all of a sudden, Tony Zuko's eyes are... He lost his eyelids, and he looks <laughs> like, a, like a skeleton. I don't know. Did he yeah. get attacked by Joker gas at some yeah, point? Yeah, it, it's, it's very weird. Yeah, his eyes have completely changed color, and they're, like you mentioned, they're kind of always wide open... Um, and they're like really far apart on his face. Kind of looks like Red Skull if Red <laughs> Skull had hair and human flesh. Yeah, like when uh, when some character yeah that has like a skull face like puts fake skin on to <laughs> yeah. like try to fool people. It's very bizarre. Um, yeah, part one was animated by uh, Spectrum in Japan, and part two was uh, animated by Dong Yang. They're both subsidiaries of TMS, mm-hmm. uh, which was kind of the big studio that was the parent studio that kind of worked on all of these shows. So, like I said, I don't think the animation itself is at fault but the character designs and they're just very inconsistent and there's also some uh, we don't talk a lot about coloration but in part two there's that thing that happens in a lot of episodes with robin where because of the limited color palette they were working with at warner brothers animation at the time they didn't have like a dark green to use as like his hot his dark his shadow color so in part two he's like his 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 gloves and his shoulders and his legs are always like part green and part this like weird pale blue color yeah this happens a lot throughout the series and i believe they talked about it, it was because basically they had the same color palette that like tiny tunes had had access to <laughs> so they didn't so they just didn't have so so in part one he basically has it looks fine and he just looks like it's mostly in shadow and maybe they just use black for it but in part two he has that really brightish like blue color to it which always kind of i think throws me off a little bit also just like the flashback batman suit which is a cool looking suit um i believe they said in uh in the creators have said it's kind of a mix between the original like bob kane bill finger design and uh, also the the batman year one Mm -hmm. from the you know the frank miller uh series as well but in like in part one it's it's he has like blue highlights and it's it looks sort of like a, a mishmash also of the modern suit or the you know, the original Batman the Animated Series suit. And then part two, it's kind of all black, except for the under half of the cape. So yeah. so there's some weird, like, inconsistencies like that, that, again, aren't the end of the world, but a lot of these little things can add up. And then, like, as I mentioned, I just think Zuko being looking so bizarre in uh, in part two of this story really does uh, hurt it a little bit. Um, yeah, and and on top of that, you have in the first episode you have Batman with the tick chin. Yes, did you, did you notice the tick chin? <laughs> yes, he's, it's the the longer square chin that kind of juts out with the nose of the cow that kind of droops down a and little the bit. Long swoop back ears. Yes, and then in part two he's much more akin to the the regular like normal model of uh, you know big square jaw Batman, shorter ears. There's also a lot of scenes in this episode that they I guess that they storyboarded that are sort of distance shots. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of scenes where you notice, and it's because it's hand-drawn di- animation, not digital animation, where the details in the characters are all washed out or there are no details because it's supposed to be from far away and you couldn't possibly draw something so incredibly tiny in such detail. It's just how, how things work. 
But to me, I pointed this out in another episode. I don't mm. remember which one, but it, it just detracts a little bit from it because there were so many shots that were from far away. Yeah. Where you felt, I felt like they're, yeah, if you just moved in a little bit and cut in maybe a little bit closer, <laughs> maybe less wide angle shots, yeah. you wouldn't have to have these scenes that sort of distracted. That's nitpicking. I'm, I'm not going to sure. admit, but that's what we do here. Yeah, <laughs> we're reviewers. We're allowed to we're allowed to pick some nits this occasionally. This is the DCAU review, right? It's not the DCAU praise praise a fan. <laughs> we're we're reviewing it. That's right. But uh, yeah, some other minor things. Like I said, I, I enjoyed that opening sequence where they're fighting on the the steel girders of the construction site. I think that's really cool. Uh, the way they like utilize like uh, the guy shooting the nail, shooting Rob, shooting at Robin with a nail gun, and mm-hmm. Batman saving Robin by swinging a big wrecking ball at him. Mm-hmm. Um, they did some clever things with that. Uh, All of these scenes, by the way, or the majority of these scenes, were then featured in the Adventures of Batman and Robin yes. title sequence. A good, a good seventy percent of them, including like you mentioned, all the scenes of Batman fighting the thugs at uh, at Stromwell's mansion, jumping on the car, uh-huh. uh, Robin swinging, mm-hmm. him throwing the batarang that hits the thug, and kind of in the shadow there. Yeah, the shot of Robin jumping the bridge as the as it's opening up and the ship is going under. Yeah, a lot of these shots. That by by the way that shot is tremendous it's really cool um and there's actually there's the, kind of a very the, probably the most famous shot is as it looks like uh, zuko's about to grab bat or about to shoot batman robin bursts through a uh, a billboard and drives down grabs zuko as he's driving like drags him down the pier throws him against the the wall and then he lands and as he does the break you see like electricity come off the ground that's actually a, a direct uh, tribute to a shot in the anime Akira, aka Akira, if you're a, if you're a fancy boy. Wow! Um, but I've I've seen that reference enough times in other animation to know that that's a reference to the wow that's to this pretty, cool. pretty legendary Japanese anime. But that whole sequence is really cool. Uh, yeah, Robin Robin on the motorcycle is a, is a big win for for pretty much all of part two. That's probably the best looking part of part two. And there's some very cool reaction shots, I think, of Robin and Batman. A lot of close-ups of them, especially in those final couple minutes there. As, uh, again, Robin's struggling with whether to kill the man who killed his parents or to, you know, to let his his devotion to justice take over. And uh, that's that's all really well good. That being said, because it was kind of inconsistent, I think I, I was almost kind of talking with myself. Part one, I think I would have given a 10 to. Mm-hmm. Part two is like a five, maybe, maybe a six. <laughs> so I kind of went in the middle and just gave it a seven out of 10. All right. Seven out of 10. Um, I, I think I overlooked the inconsistencies in this episode. I was happy to point them out. Yeah. And certainly the crazy looking of uh, Tony Zuko in that second part brought it down a little bit. And some of the tick chin batman but not significantly i gave it a nine out of ten um i i think it's really really strong and i think the things that stick out that stick out as being great out sort of out outweigh those things that you can nitpick and say eh, not so good one of the other things the last thing that we'll mention before we move on to our next categories i love that nine slash ten year old dick grayson had the original yes. robin hair with yes, the, the uh, gold pompadour yeah, yeah the pompadour with the two little notches above his uh, his temples uh nice little wink and nod yeah. there to that to that uh, dick spring era yeah the the big the big turtleneck and looked like something maybe burt ward would have worn too so. agreed. agreed definitely yeah definitely had that uh that homage to the the original golden age robin 
Um, yeah. All right. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to our next category, Liam. Music, man. Music is tremendous. Yeah, it really is. From really from the first scene, as we mentioned, when they're fighting the thugs on the construction site. Uh, really good. Really good. Really sets a good pace for it through uh, the scene, as we mentioned. When when we see uh, Rob, uh, Dick Grayson's parents die, as we mentioned, the it's like there's no like they cut the music completely for a second, and then when the shot of the the frayed rope comes into frame again, you just get this very sudden twang of music um, as as the crowd sort of reacts in horror to to what they've just seen. That's really good. Uh, the theme that kind of plays through all of part two that I guess kind of becomes the de facto Robin theme uh, uh, is really good as well. That plays over the kind of the opening opening uh, title card and then plays kind of more triumphantly and a little bit faster paced at the end of the episode when he's attacking Zuko. Uh, all really, really good stuff. Yeah, I, I would concur. The notes I had were for that for that scene where he bursts through the, the billboard. <laughs> let your emotions get the best of you the music it just adds so much intensity mm-hmm. and then even even at the very end where he finally picks up picks up zuko he grabs him by the lapels and he tells him that he's through mm-hmm. and uh zuko tries to i think he pulls out a gun or whatever he tries to shoot him and robin kicks it away or throws throws, mm-hmm. him throws across. the punch and robin catches it yeah yeah and then he throws him across into the barrels the music is slowly building the background, getting a little bit almost sinister. Cause, mm-hmm. So it adds to that thought of, "Wow, is is Robin really gonna? Is Robin gonna turn here? Is he gonna? Right. Is he gonna kill Tony Zuko?" Yeah. Um, and then, of course, he doesn't. It's you know, it's it's sort of it sort of uh, ends on that that note that sort of snaps where Batman cuts cuts in and and uh, you know appeals to Robin's you know seeking of justice yeah. but it's uh it's it's done really really well i had the scene noted down with with Dick's parents dying also that that no music into that tri- that sort of like tragic orchestral fill mm-hmm. is just just really really good even some of uh when Bruce and Dick are sharing you know he's sh- he's you know they're talking about their parents and Dick is sharing how he wished he could have stopped uh, or mm-hmm. he, he should have stopped them, or he's somewhat responsible for it. There's some really somber music that plays in the background that I thought r- was really good, set a great mood for it. Um, yeah, I, I went with a very strong score with this. I went a perfect 10 out of 10 for the music. What about you? Uh, same thing, yeah. 10, 10 out of 10 for me as well. Um, just really, really well done, and it, it again speaks to how the music, among other things, 
could really set these these cartoons apart from anything, even other superhero cartoons that were on at the time, is uh, having that live orchestra, uh, you know, record a score for every single episode. It's it's really can't be beat. Shirley Walker did an excellent job for this episode. Yeah. You cannot speak yeah. enough about how great <laughs> she she did, and certainly in, in directing the music for this Absolutely. episode. All right, William, let's move to our last category of the day, which, of course, is our voice acting. I'm sure uh, not a huge cast here uh, because a lot of our characters are sort of ancillary minor characters. Right. But we do have some returning characters, and uh, I'm excited to talk about a few of those characters' performances on this week's episode. Who do we have as our guest stars this week? So the two big ones here, we have our Joey Simran, who plays young Dick Grayson. Um, not a lot of interesting credits in his uh, his IMDb <laughs> phase. He did a lot of, a lot of acting in the late 80s, early 90s, did some other voice acting work. I think he's very, very good. Um, we've talked about that in other episodes, maybe even some episodes we didn't love, like uh, I've Got Batman in My Basement, for instance, mm-hmm. but how they went with you know real child actors and it kind of pays off. Like He's very good. As, as, he's excellent. At no point did I feel like that this was a... Um, Charlie Brown Christmas esque, which <laughs> don't get me wrong, I'm a huge Charlie Brown oh, Christmas yeah. guy. Um, you know, huge pop for the for Christmas time is here, but uh, those actors are, mm-hmm. are terrible. That's right. what makes that that cartoon so endearing. Right. But this wasn't like the producer step, stepson got the call to act today. Correct. You know, this was somebody who clearly could act and did a great job. I think he does does a great job of, uh, especially in that first scene where he's talking with Gordon mm-hmm. and a- after his parents are dead and explaining, you know, who who Zuko was or that he had seen Zuko there before. It was yeah. man, you just like you can feel it. Like his heart was breaking. Yeah. Like that scene and when when Batman pulls him out of the river and Dick kind of slowly realizes that he's uh that he let Zuko get away to save him and he kind of begins to kind of punch at Batman. It's like how could you, you know, how could you let him get away? You had him. Um, it's it's really well done. I think he does a tremendous job. Uh, we'll get we'll get to the the main event guest. Other than that, we kind of it's a lot of actually of our, our regular cast. We have Bob Hastings playing Commissioner Gordon, which I guess I'd kind of forgotten that he plays a pretty a pretty significant role in the in the flashback sequences. Yeah, um, both in being the guy who kind of brings uh, Dick to Wayne Manor the first time. And being, uh, you know, being the guy, he has the conversation with Bruce at Wayne Manor about how he's afraid that uh, Zuko, they're going to lose Zuko and that he's going to skip town. They won't be able to track him down, uh, which leads Dick to running off on his own to try to find him. And yeah, and obviously we have Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., hashtag my Alfred. I think he, he's, there's a really good scene in the in, in that flashback where Bruce comes back and is you know, Alfred's taking his cape and his belt, uh, like a good butler. And then mentions that like right now, what that kid needs is a fr- like, he needs a friend. And he, I love the line there. He says right now he needs a friend. Isn't that what you needed, sir? Oh, it was so good. Um, it was, it was great. Um, and then, uh, yeah, our, our playing Tony Zuko is one Thomas Wilson, who most famously will be remembered for playing uh, Biff Tannen in the Back to the Future trilogy. Okay. Um, it's also worth noting that the, the three thugs that uh, work for Zuko in this episode are modeled on Biff Tannen's henchmen from one of the Back to the Future movies. Tremendous. Uh, I think he's re- he's a great, like, slimy... Uh, like for Especially, I think, in the flashbacks when you first meet him and he's kind of this low-level, uh, you know, guy who's pushing around kind of local businesses. He's a great, like scumbag mobster type 
I think I think he has the perfect amount of lines. If they had relied more on him, I think it would have been sort of over the top and just goofy. But for the lines that he has, and especially in the second part where he's playing the paranoid version of yes. Zuko, who's now been on the run 10 years from Batman and is deathly afraid of him, he plays it really well. I, I think they, they added the perfect amount of Zuko to this episode. If one ounce more of Zuko, I think I, w- I would have had my fill and <laughs> probably had a, had his voice as a detriment. But uh, yeah, I, I concur. I think... For the part that he played and the perfect amount that they gave him, this was this was spot on for him. Yeah, and we also had, as you mentioned in Plot Cow, we had Eugene Roche returning as Arnold Stromwell for a nice little cameo, which again is just kind of a cool thing, because again, it could have been any random mobster, and instead they chose to use a guy who had, when we meet him in It's Never Too Late, he's kind of, his empire has crumbled and he's kind of on his last legs, whereas here we kind of see him, he's still at the, the height of his, his power, but you know. Even the most powerful mobster in Gotham is still still afraid of the bat, which is, is, is cool to see. I thought he did a, a good job in his his sort of small role there. Um, and then, of course, we have our, our two main leads. Uh, Kevin Conroy's Batman, I think, does a, a very good job in this episode. Again, he doesn't have as much as far as the big emotional stuff to do. A lot of the episode is him kind of being the stern... Again, like we talked about, him not wanting to explain exactly why he doesn't want Robin working on this case... Um, and in the flashbacks as well, um, but he's very good. And then we have we have Lauren Lester, who uh, longtime listeners will know. Cal, we have not been the biggest fans of his of his performances. And admittedly, it's a small sample size. We obviously a lot of those once it becomes Adventures of Batman and Robin later on, he'll have a lot more opportunities for us to kind of gauge his ability. But based on the few appearances we had had, uh, we had seen of, of Robin in this show so far, we had not been huge fans to say the least. No. And uh, Lauren Lester in those prior two episodes, we, uh, we didn't give him raving reviews. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think in this episode, it's a, it's much better than our prior two examples. Yeah. And I think that, for the most part, I would put it in the good column. Yeah. Not great, not fantastic, uh, but certainly compared to what we've had so far, <laughs> good. I think that those couple opening lines, and some of it we've talked about before in the other episodes, certainly in Christmas with the Joker, they're, the lines written for him are not great. They're yeah. sort of cliched, goofy I'm a sidekick character. Right. I'm oh, I'm the straight man to Batman's. To, or I'm I'm the goofball to Batman's straight man character. Right. Yeah. Like so, his his sarcastic comment about needing to bring his homework, or mm-hmm. if if the, you know the stakeout was going to take this long, or then the uh, yeah, time to kick some butt. <laughs> like man, I nothing like screams nineties just because I of how Batman reacts to it at the end when he swings off and Batman says so not, so glad we had that little chat or whatever. Yeah, that that was a it's it's good, but nothing screams nineties cartoon like yeah, <laughs> time to kick some butt. Agreed. Um, with that said, uh, I think that his performance in the second half of the episode and certainly when he's called upon and i think it's interesting because i think we see that leads me to believe that we're going to appreciate his nightwing stuff a little bit more too because he's not playing the light-hearted goofball that the robin character is sort of written to be in 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 a lot of these episodes when he's asked to do the serious acting work even even though that last 
that last line that he delivers to Batman, you know, shove your, you know, shove your your cold heart, Batman, or whatever right. he says, is not delivered really well. No. I was, I was like, ah, oh. that but was the line very right melodramatic. Before, <laughs> yeah, but the line right before it was really, really good. And even when he has that snap realization that, oh wait, Batman is the one person on Earth that absolutely can relate to me right. losing my parents, and I'm here telling him he doesn't know what he's what he's talking about. I thought that was delivered pretty well, but that that it's just I think when those I don't know when the acting has to come <laughs> out sometimes it's not, it's not great. Uh, with that said, I, I, I think uh, I, I think this is a, a pretty strong episode overall, mm-hmm. and like I said, a much bigger, a much needed, and uh, welcomed improvement from Lauren Lester over those first couple episodes. Yeah. So I gave voice acting an eight out of ten. Yeah, I went a little stronger. I went with the perfect ten. Wow, out of ten, I. I I, I don't necessarily disagree completely with uh, some of the, the points you brought up, but I do think overall it was really strong. And I, I honestly even kind of liked how lighthearted and kind of silly, even if, as you mentioned, the dialogue is a little cringy, because it's a really good juxtaposition with the seriousness of the story where, you know, the establishing that, yeah, on any given night, Robin is this kind of carefree, quipping, you know, goofy guy who likes to swing around in red and green tights and then... But this this issue that's been plaguing him and been in the back of his mind for the last decade finally comes back to the surface, and Batman's trying to cut him out of it, and he he feels so betrayed by his mentor. And yeah, the last little bit there where where uh, where Batman sort of explains that he you know Zuko's taken so much from you, and I couldn't bear the thought that he would take you too, um, is is really really well done. And the the back and forth between Lauren Lester and, and Kevin Conroy is really good, and I think that speaks again to a lot of cartoons don't have the luxury of having multiple actors in the studio at the same time. And so having these actors be able to talk to each other and act with each other in, in these recording sessions, uh, I think really can't be understated to, uh, to that sort of thing. But yeah, I agree. really, really good stuff uh, all around. Very good. All right. Well, that will bring us to, Whoa, holy moly. That's the bonus. It sure sound. is. Liam, uh, that must mean you have a bonus point. I do, in fact, and it's a plus one. We we touched on a little bit in the episode, but really didn't uh, delve into it, and I, I wanted to give it its proper due, is the scene that you mentioned where uh, Bruce uh, goes into the room after Alfred sort of tells him that Dick needs a friend and tells him he's going to start spending more time with him, um, and Bruce sort of tells, tells Dick about his parents and... Hey, Dick. How you doing? Fine. Sorry I haven't been around. I forget how big and lonely this place can be. That's okay. As it turns out, I may have some free time starting tomorrow. How'd you like to catch the Gotham Knights season opener? Box seats? Great. I know it must be very difficult. If only I could have stopped him. I saw him coming out of the tent. I knew he didn't belong there. I know. You keep thinking, if only I'd done something differently. If only I could have warned them. But there isn't anything you could have done. There isn't anything either of us could have done. You're a mom and dad? Does the hurt ever go away? I wish I could say yes. But it will get better in time. For you. That I promise. And when he, when he says the line, 
uh, there wasn't anything you could have done. There wasn't anything either of us could have done. And they sort of have this moment where they realize that they're uh, the same in a lot of ways. And, you know, Bruce, there's also a great line at the end that I think sort of speaks to the way Batman thinks about himself and his life, which is he mentions, it will get better in time for you. Mm. Like, mm. I, and I, I don't know that that was the writer's intention with that line, but to me, it, it sort of speaks out to Bruce wanting, not, understanding that he's kind of too far gone at this point. Whatever he's going to be is who he is. Wow. And that this Batman thing is sort of an albatross around his neck. And that's that's who he has to be. It's who he feels he has to be. Whereas he still at this point feels that perhaps one day that it, you know, it will get better for, for Dick still. And, uh, and it's one of those scenes, again, we talk about these every once in a while where everything comes together. It's, it's the visuals are great. As you can, as you mentioned, it's, it's this dark room where Dick's sort of sitting alone and the, the painting on the wall, the background. And that's another thing we should mention. The backgrounds in these episodes really, really well done. The background artists on these shows really don't get enough. Did you notice by chance? I don't. I assume that this is clearly done as an Easter egg. Yeah. But did you notice the Easter egg of the mural on the wall? It's Robin Hood, right? It's Robin Hood. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think I assume that was intentional, but yeah, it's it's a nice little because they don't in this. Unlike in uh, the the uh, the movie Batman Forever, <laughs> uh, Academy Award winning film, if I recall, <laughs> uh, starring none other than uh, Chris O'Donnell as Robin. Yes. Uh, they do explain that the reason why Robin is named as Robin in that is because his mom calls him. His, her little Robin or something yes. like that, but we don't get the explanation in at the anime. He had a Robin on his cool motorcycle helmet. Yeah, this too. is this is true, absolutely. You know, he he was he that's he why was cool. He was, that's he how you knew cool. he was cool. He drove a motorcycle and he had an earring. <laughs> <laughs> super cool dude, and he and he was real snarky. Yes, <laughs> he was real quippy in a superhero movie before that was the thing. Yeah. Uh, sorry, we're off topic here, but yes, Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a nice little bit there too, and. Uh, then just the end there is like I said they they have this sort of heart to heart and and Dick kind of finally breaks down and the scene ends with Bruce and and him embracing and it feels like that that's kind of the moment where Bruce really becomes becomes his his pseudo father in that moment and like I said it felt like just everything comes together from from the backgrounds to the animation the the character designs the music the voice acting it all kind of comes together for this one kind of perfect scene um, and it really, uh, it really gets it. And it should be worth noting, um, Jeff Loeb and Tim Solly, who wrote Batman The Long Halloween, Batman Dark Victory, two of my favorite Batman stories ever, noted that in Dark Victory, they do bring in Robin to that story, and they kind of do his origin in the middle of that book. And they mentioned that this episode was a huge catalyst, uh, it's a huge inspiration for their version of Robin's origin as well, um, which is just... That's always very cool, as we've mentioned yeah. several times, how you know these shows were obviously done something as a love letter to the older Batman stories, and in, to- and in turn, they also inspired an entire new generation of Batman stories that came after them. Um, and I think that's, that's a really cool note uh, as well. So yeah, that scene, uh, I thought, definitely deserved an extra little shout-out there and a uh, plus one. Well, there we go. Well, let's uh, let's tally up our points here, Liam. Uh, with uh, with my score, uh, everything totaled up here. I have a score of thirty seven out of forty, <laughs> and I have shock- shocker uh, the exact same score. In fact, wow. thirty seven out of forty. So this does just make it into our our vaulted top pick section. It's growing, baby. Um, that 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 Hall of Fame is growing, yeah. growing. We've growing had some real good luck uh, this this year, these last few months, especially. I think we've been 
we've been reviewing some really great stuff. And, For uh, every one terrible episode, <laughs> we've had I feel like two top picks. Yes, so. which is a uh, which that's that's not a bad trade off, all things considered. All, right. so. all things considered, that's right. All right, so uh, that will wrap things up. For this week's episode, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the DCAU Review. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast apps. We are available on all the most popular ones, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, don't forget you can stream our episodes directly from DCAUReview.com, where you can go back and listen to our archives and certainly break things down by category, including supervillains and series and yeah top, top picks. picks yeah 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 break break all that stuff down go see uh how that that looks head over to dcaureview.com and then of course liam they can check you out you run our twitter page so uh what are we talking about on twitter this week yeah we'll uh we'll be discussing what we'll be reviewing next month the month of december can't believe the year is just about over already we'll be previewing that of course we do have one more week of batman before we wrap up here in the month of november but uh, we'll probably soon on twitter be teasing what we'll be doing for the month of december as well and uh, definitely want your feedback on this episode because as we mentioned this is a real special one for us and for our childhood and just wanted to know if if, did you have that videotape are you young enough to know what videotapes are (laughs) Uh, or old enough i should say Uh, did you have this this tape or did you watch it on fox kids I uh, would love to hear uh, some feedback on this episode and anything we're reviewing. And also, uh, if you have any ideas uh, for, for different for different things we could potentially do next year, I always like to hear uh, what people would like to hear from us as well. So I uh, should also mention, Cal, that we are also on a new social media platform. That's right. We are now on Instagram. So you can check us out. Find us at DCAU Review. Uh, we've been releasing some clips uh, early for our episodes during yes. the week preview clips where you can tune in and hear uh, a sneak peek of what's coming up of course also some some previews on there about what we're discussing and as you mentioned liam uh, we will be still discussing one yet one and two more episodes of batman the animated series to come here uh, we actually have two more weeks in the month that's of right November here <laughs> Don't cut forgot, it short I forgot yet. it's a five-Saturday month. Yeah, that's right. I forgot five-Saturday month. So uh, for next week's episode, uh, why don't we preview real quick what we're going to be discussing next week? Yep, we were reviewing another absolute classic. I really can't wait to check this one out. Another one that's uh, that's very near and dear to us from our childhood. In fact, The Laughing Fish, which is an all-time iconic episode. It's based on a couple of different stories from the comics, and uh, it's uh, from my memory, I should say at least, it's one of the one of the great uh, Mark Mark Hamill performances uh, that we ever get in this series. So definitely looking forward to watching that and reviewing that. And uh, yeah, you can find that right here, same same DCAU time, same DC same DCAU channel. Or easy app. for me to say. Easy for me to say. Uh, and uh, yeah, definitely definitely check that out next week. And uh, head to head to Twitter, Instagram. And that's it. Yeah. And uh, no we other, have social, no other medias. social medias. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, you can definitely contact us there. Let us know what you think of this episode and what you uh, want to see us do next. Absolutely. Well, until next week's episode, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we'll talk to you on the next edition of the DCAU Review. Goodbye. <laughs>